This is a Hog Sports Network podcast. The Hog Sports Network presents the Basketball Podcast of Mid-America, the premier Arkansas hoops podcast covering the Razorbacks men's and women's teams. Here's your host, WholeHogSports.com basketball analyst, Scotty Bordelon. Welcome into the Basketball Podcast of Mid-America. It is October 24th, and Arkansas basketball is inside two weeks from playing its season opener and kicking off the fifth season under Eric Musselman. I'm Scotty Bordelon of WholeHogSports.com, and I'm happy, as always, to begin another season of this podcast alongside Bob Holt of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, Ethan Westerman, and Andrew Joe of Whole Hog Sports. This is our season preview episode. I'm like most people probably I'm glad this time of the year is here. Uh, we'll obviously get into a lot of the things going on with Arkansas and Eric's program. Um, we'll hit on the the women's team too. There's really no one better to to talk about that team with than, than Ethan right now. Um, last week, me and Bob and Ethan were down in Birmingham uh, for SEC Men's and Women's Basketball Media Day. Uh, before we get into Arkansas playing its first exhibition, against UT Tyler last week. Um, and I guess we'll we'll preview the Purdue game too. That's kind of a, a big deal going on this weekend, I would think. Um, what were some of y'all's takeaways from from Birmingham? And Bob, did we learn anything? Ethan, did we learn anything about, you know, Arkansas's teams? And did we learn anything down there other than Chris Beard knows where to eat in Little Rock? Like he's the guy to to go to. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I mean, there were there were no big surprises to me. It, it was interesting, you know, to see. I, I guess what impresses me, it, it, I think it speaks well to basketball in the state of Arkansas. You had Devo Davis there for Arkansas from Jacksonville. Connor Vanover was there with Missouri from Little Rock. Uh, Alan Flanagan was there with Ole Miss from Little Rock. I'm trying to think if I'm missing anybody. But to me, that's pretty impressive. You're talking about you know, 20-some SEC players, and three of three of them are, there, are from uh, Arkansas. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think we learned the SEC is, you know, going to be loaded for bear again. I think the, you know, the polls, teams will go up and down in and out of the polls at times. But, you know, five SEC teams are ranked in the preseason AP and coaches polls. And uh, that, that that matches, I think, or not matches, that that's more than any other league. So I think that speaks to – you know, obviously it's not just a football league anymore, a baseball league, but, you know, basketball is very powerful in the SEC as well. I think I think we learned, too, that Dennis Gates wanted to bring his whole team, or he would have if he could have. <laughs> would he bring four guys down to Birmingham? I think it was four, yes. And, uh, and Connor, someone, Van- yeah, go ahead. Well, I heard someone from another school say, well, I don't know how they get away with that or something. Like, you know, they would have brought more guys, too, so I don't know how that works, but... Um, yeah, Connor's yeah. apparently wearing number 75 this year to I guess that's just a tribute to I guess he's taller than he was when he was here. I guess they got him listed six seven five now. Yeah, I don't know if he's honestly taller. I was asking him like, have you grown? And he was like, Well, you play with your shoes on, right? So I think it was the ORU where they started calling him seven five. <laughs> Excuse me. So I guess he didn't want to contradict that. So I honestly don't know if he's growing taller, but is there a big difference between seven three and seven five? I I, I guess was Zach uh, uh, Edie. We'll, we'll see. He's. I think he's listed seven four. Ethan, how was your experience down there? I know you got some good one on one time with with Mike Neighbors for a podcast. What 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 kind of came out of that conversation with him? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't any surprise for me. Anything we talked about, it was more or less. You can just tell like the excitement um, that it, it finally feels like we're kind of here. 
Like it's for a while been like, oh, season's around the corner. But it was talking to him this time. It was kind of like, oh, there's a game in about three weeks, a little under three weeks from whenever we talked to him down there. Um, but really the main thing that stood out for me from both days down there, I mean, of course, for the men's, you and Bob were out there and I was just kind of watching it um, on TV. Um, but then in the, even on the women's too, it was just, I think the quality of coaches right now in the SEC is just what stands out to me because there was never any like, oh, who's this, who's that? It was just one after another. You're like, oh, wow, we got a big name coming up here to talk right now. Um, I think that was kind of my biggest takeaway right now is it's just like, I don't know if there's any other um men's or women's side like a league right now in the nation that you could just have that much quality of coaches one after another i know on the men's side um there were some funny pictures of eric and nate oats talking afterwards uh yeah it's, it's just things like that and then on the women's side it was uh i mean don staley walked in and it was just like all of a sudden everybody just gets on a huddle and just starts chatting it up it's just like i think that there's some if not friendships among league coaches, a lot of respect right now. So that's kind of what stood out to me is just, I think there's everybody on both sides, men's and women's knows that it's, there's a lot of good coaches right now and they have a lot of respect for each other. Um, and it was pretty fun for us, I think, you know, just to be treated to, and it's so funny, just kind of the room that we're in. It's so informal, but it, I mean, it probably looks formal on TV to everybody, but it's really an informal feel in there. So it was just kind of cool to have that time talking with those coaches. For sure. And I remember, during the women's day, I came over and finished my uh, cover story on Trevor in Brazil and LSU's time was about to to start in that main ballroom and right outside the room. It's almost like the noise level went up two or three times when Kim Mulkey and uh, the LSU's players walked in like it was like they they legitimately drew a crowd when when they walked in, like everybody was wanting to talk to them or take a picture with them. So I, yeah, the, the star power in the league, I think, on maybe on both sides uh, with the men's and women's is it's pretty impressive. And it, I think there's like some new faces or same faces in new places, like with Alan Flanagan. Um, I think that could make and Chris Beard, you know, back in the league. I think that's going to make for really interesting year in the SEC for sure. Uh, wanted to get to, to Arkansas's first exhibition against UT Tyler. Arkansas had no issues with with that game whatsoever, which was probably a little bit new for L. Ellis, I would think. Um, I went back, I'm writing a story on him for our college basketball preview tab that'll come out right before the season opener. And he lost to Lenore Ryan by double figures last year in their first game. And then I think, I can't remember who Louisville played in its second exhibition, but they squeaked out a win, like too close for comfort, you know, when you're playing a, an exhibition. Um, the crowd was really good. The other night, it was probably about twice as big as I was expecting. Um, but, you know, homecoming weekend, the night before a home football game, it was a perfect time for for people to just be like, hey, I'll go watch this team play. 92 to 39. Um, I think Arkansas gave up 12 points in the first half. Defensively, they were really good. Um, defensively, like I wrote my game story, like defense fueled everything as they gave up 12 points in the first half. I think UT Tyler ended up one of 20 from three for the game, turned the ball over 20 times. Again, it's a division two school, but sometimes you see these division one teams, SEC teams, power five teams struggle in games like this, but Arkansas just really didn't. I was most impressed, I think, with L. Ellis. Um, looks like he's about ready to run the show. I think him and Devo are going to be one of the more intriguing duos, I think, uh, to to keep an eye on is you, you feel really good about both of those guys handling the ball, being able to lead a team. 
especially Devo, and I, but I think L is kind of up to speed with what Eric wants here. Um, L finished with nine points, three boards, four assists, four steals. Didn't turn the ball over. I think in uh, I think sixteen or seventeen minutes they limited him a little bit, which I totally understand. And then Devo had nine and seven, like he led the team. I think he had a game high in rebounds. Um, defensive intensity is just it's there. Um, what were y'all's takeaways from the game? I know I didn't even hit on Pinion Battle, Davenport shooting it pretty well, and then Trevin Brazil like got on the floor and, and looked like himself uh, in, a, in a couple different stretches. But what, what were y'all's takeaways from from the first exhibition? Yeah, just like you said, the defense. I mean, I don't care who you're playing. If you hold somebody 12 points, if you're playing a junior high team, that's pretty impressive. I had to double check the score because I remember I wrote 93-39. I was thinking, do they hold a 29? Yeah, like they got palindromed. Yeah, yeah, like they 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 got uh, – so they, you know, they actually scored uh, – whatever 39 minus 12 is what is that 27 they actually got 27 points in the second half how did that happen but, look at them go uh, yeah the defense was really good and like i say it was good to see trevor brazil I, I remember we talked to him wednesday at media day and i asked him if he was going to play friday night and he wasn't sure um he, i mean he wasn't saying like he wasn't going to play and, and eric had said well that's kind of going to be up to how he feels and how practice goes tomorrow and and they got out there and played 19 minutes which uh, eric said after the game that they were talking about maybe playing him you know, I think four to seven minutes in each half. So he played a lot of minutes. And at first he got it there. He looked a little tentative. Um, he, I guess he'd been scrimmaging some, but he lost the ball. He had a couple shots that didn't look real good. And then he he had a nice kind of swoop drive using his length. And then the second half is when he really looked like his old self on a play. I think it was Danport missed a three. And he went in there and skied for a rebound and brought it down, gathered himself and went up real strong. So that that's the the Trevor Brazil we got used to seeing last year before he got hurt. So that was obviously something, something that stood out, you know, a lot. Ethan and Andrew, you guys, um, y'all split up charting shots defended by each Arkansas player. Um, anything from that jump out? I think maybe what stood out to me, and it kind of matched what I think I was seeing. Sometimes it, I think my eyes can lie to me, but Chandler Lawson didn't allow a bucket on seven shots that he defended. Trevor Brazil, one for six. L. Ellis and Devo were both 0 for three. Uh, you saw some good stuff defensively, I thought, just contesting shots, not even not even getting into the, you know, defensive rotations and, you know, digging down to, you know, try to take the ball from a from a big who's putting the ball on the floor. What were what were some of y'all's thoughts on on Arkansas defensively? And what do y'all think the the this team's defensive potential might be? was kind of funny tracking those shots because Arkansas was swarming so much defensively. It just felt like nothing came easy for UT Tyler. And it was funny tracking it because there were some guys, like I think maybe Makai Mitchell, he was, it was like three for four on him or something, but all of those yeah. makes were just kind of bull crap makes. Like they were like, <laughs> none of them. I was like, yeah, that was just bad defense. Yeah. It like was that was a like, legit basketball shot. Yeah, it was just it was funny funny tracking them because even the makes that they had, it was like, ah, oh, I got it, I gotta put this on somebody's chart as a shot made. But I mean, it was like um all contested, it felt like. There were I think maybe three or four shots the whole um game. And I'm talking putbacks and just like on the perimeter or something that were just uncontested, which that's pretty impressive in my opinion. I I mean, I haven't charted uh 
charted shots like that before so maybe that's not too out of the normal but i feel like it's probably pretty out of the normal to only have four uncontested in a game uh, including those putbacks yeah the team just felt like it was swarming defensively i i really was impressed with um caliph battle um i know he's been hurt and so i didn't really know what to expect from him um i didn't even know who was going to play um i don't think anybody did but it seemed like he was maybe the best on-ball defender out there. He was just super in their face, super like moved his feet well, which is just ironic because he's had foot problem. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought that like any Eric Musselman team um, is gonna pride itself on defense, and especially with um, just moving well and not giving up the middle, um, getting their hands high on closeouts and stuff. I just think that they were really playing fundamental and. Bob said, you know, anytime you hold somebody to 12 points and a half, I don't care who you're playing, but that's impressive. So, um, yeah, I thought defensively they looked really good. Um, and offensively, it felt like like what you said with like L. Ellis just getting the hot starts. Like once they got something going on offense, it was like it didn't stop. It, it kind of at the beginning was a little slow, but once L. Ellis started putting the ball in, they were like they were doing what you want to do. They were playing good offense and matching it with good defense it was a really complete win i get it it's an exhibition but it was a really complete exhibition win and i, th- I think it was important probably for l and I, i'm starting this feature on him with you know they got through the handshake line they're walking toward the tunnel to take them back to their locker room but when he gets about right across from arkansas's bench he takes his headband off and starts dancing because he lost to lenore ryan last year and in that loss to Lenore Ryan, he had two points, turned the ball over like four times, was one of seven from the floor. So I think L L was kind of feeling himself. And I think he's I think he's really excited to be playing with a more superiorly talented group of guys around him, which I think in turn is going to make him more efficient. And then it'll look like, not even look like, he'll probably become, you know, the playmaker that uh, that he, that he wants to be, but I think anytime L starts smiling or dancing or whatever, I think it's just a it's a pretty good sign that he feels like he's he's where he's supposed to be, where he needs to be. Another guy defensively, and even mentioned Tremont Mark held his matchup over four. I think, and I think he had a I think one guy maybe pushed his luck a little bit and tried to drive by him and got his got his shot swatted kicked off a break i think devo ended up finding khalif battle for a layup that i think that's that right there is the kind of stuff that that tremont mark can do and then another thing is you know he gets a dunk and a three you know in that 14-2 run where he teamed up with joseph pinion early in the second half and you look at the stat sheet all of a sudden tremont marks in double figures with 10 points and he's playing pretty good defense for you too Uh, i think tremont is i don't want to say he's going to be sneaky good for this team but he's just I don't know. He's probably just going to quietly be pretty good most of the time, um, which kind of brings me to my next point. I feel really good about the Devo L Ellis backcourt duo because you've got two guys that you really trust to initiate offense. And I think maybe in a pinch or maybe you can even just experiment with this, but Tremont can maybe bring the ball up too. So you got, I feel like those are your top three guys. Would y'all agree? Those are maybe your top three guards at this point. Um, who like how do you find playing time for Jeremiah Davenport, Caleb Battle, and Joseph Pinion when those three guys have shot the ball in the preseason the way that they have? Like, what what's going to be maybe the determining factor for who gets those minutes? Because I mean, we've obviously seen that 
you know, Eric normally doesn't play more than eight or nine guys, but you feel like that's six six guards that you, you know, feel really good about playing. What what do we think is going to be maybe the determining factor for those guys? Is it consistency or maybe is it, I guess it kind of might boil down to who who's locked in defensively. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, obviously you think about Davenport being a shooter and, and some of those other guys, uh, you know, Joseph, and but they're going to have to do it on the defensive end too. It's also, especially after last year, the last couple of years, really, it's nice to have guys that you feel like you can start or bring off the bench. You can knock down some threes. I mean, if they're struggling against the zone or maybe somebody just having an off night or getting in foul trouble, I mean, it's nice to have that kind of depth. They don't really have to depend on one or two guys or they shouldn't have to. And I think the competition also is just going to push everybody. I don't think anybody's going to be out there coasting or cruising. I mean, I think they know they they better get after it if they want to get their minutes, you know? So I, th- I think it's a good situation. It's a good problem to have try, trying to work that many guys, you know, in, in, into the lineup. Yeah. It you seems know. like every, every season we come into basketball season trying to figure out a rotation and it's like, they just have too many guys for a rotation spot. And I mean, I like Bob said, it's a good problem to have. And it doesn't seem like Eric Musselman's worried about it. He was asked about how he's going to distribute minutes or if he's losing sleep over figuring out his rotation. And he's, I think his response was not at all because he's in the gym with them. He's lifting weights, he's running the treadmill. And so I think that's going to what ultimately what it's going to boil down to is who's putting in the work outside of just their slotted practice time and who's who's putting in extra work and the getting shots up in the gym and, and doing all the extra stuff. Because I mean, you go down the list one through 12, they're all talented players and they all are going to perform in the minutes that they get. It's just a question of if they get the minutes. One thing that I think that Eric has done really well since he got here is just like, he kind of, I feel like every game is kind of its own game. It takes on its own feel and he like rides whatever's best for that game. So I think having a bunch of streaky shooters like he has now, it's, it is a luxury. It's like, you know, you have those guys you mentioned like Devo and LL, so it'll probably be pretty consistent and their game translates to any game you're in. But whenever you have a Pinion or a Davenport that are streaky shooters, it's kind of like, I mean, you saw it this past year with Joseph. Uh, it's like there were some games that he got to play a lot because he was knocking down shots. I, I think because you have that luxury now of multiple guys who can shoot, it might be one of those things that it's kind of a game by game. If you go in there and you know, it was, it was an exhibition this past week. So I, I think, uh, you know, Joseph missed his first three threes. Uh, I think Jeremiah might have missed his first one or two. It, it's like you might not have that exact luxury during the season. Um, because if another guy's on, I could see Eric being like, this. he's on this game. I'm riding my hot hand and staying with him. So I definitely, I think the word we keep on bringing up is luxury, though. I mean, it's Early in his career, Isaiah Joe was and Mason Jones were kind of your two that you're like, they can fill it up from deep and we need them on the court kind of at all times. So you kind of had to just ride out any shooting slump right now. It's like you have options. If a guy's not on one day, you can put somebody else in and maybe it's going to be their day. So I think that, yeah, I, I think all of them will get to play. It's just a matter of what game, what situation. And maybe there's one or two of them that prove that they're not just a streaky shooter, that they can be a consistently good shooter. And then they earn the majority of the minutes. It's just that. The season and each game will take on its own feel, I think. Put it on a banner. Every game takes on its own identity. Hang it in the rafters next to some of the other retired numbers. I think that's – or put it on the ribbon boards. Like when you – instead of the stats at some point, like get your advertisements off the ribbon boards and then just put every game takes on its own identity. That's been Eric's go-to go-to saying since he's been here. 
another guy that I wanted to kind of bounce some stuff off of you guys with is Chandler Lawson. I did. He was the last guy, I believe, that Arkansas signed out of the transfer portal. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's I think that's right. Um, got here late, and I wrote in my rotation projection column for HI. I think it was man, maybe a month and a half ago at this point. I wrote that he was going to be in a group of four guys who were fighting for minutes with Layden Blocker, Bayfall. Um, and Denaja Harris just and I said Lawson was going to be down there fighting for minutes because he he's got here late and a lot of times when you come into a program where you're kind of behind in, in a program like Eric's like you've got a lot of work to do to do some catching up but this kid and his 7-7 wingspan and his motor and his ability to step out and knock down a three like we saw early in that UT Tyler game, like he knocked down a three, which is what they want. And it's super interesting to me because I honestly didn't think that he had that in him. I don't want that to be a slight to him. I just didn't, I thought he was kind of more of a rim running defense first type type guy. But if he can do that and use that length to his advantage, man, it's going to, it might be kind of hard to keep him off the floor, especially early in the year. And then if he plays those early minutes, well, he could be, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to put any pressure on him at all. And, you know, if there is any pressure, he's putting it on himself. But I think he could be a guy that really helps this team in in certain games. You know what I mean? And I asked Trevin Brazil that the other night, and he was like, man, it's not even a question. Yeah, he's going to help us. Um, just thoughts on on Chandler Lawson, where he might fit into that front court. Because you've got TB, uh, Jalen Graham, when he's healthy and not dealing with back spasms and stuff, he can give you offense. I think it's just kind of the dirty work stuff and the rebounding and traffic, not turning the ball over when you're double teamed, um, that kind of stuff. You kind of, and I think you're going to, you know what you're going to get with Makai Mitchell, but where might Chandler Lawson fit in with this group? Cause I think he, he gives you a lot of length and, you know, you want to play fast. You're seven, seven, and you got a seven, seven wingspan and you're six, eight already. You can get up and down the floor pretty quickly. Yeah, I think it was a nice, nice late pickup uh, when they didn't get the, the Nelson kid from, I guess, South Dakota State who ended up going to Alabama. I know they, I think Arkansas was in on him, but you know, he came from Memphis, which is you know pretty high level basketball NCAA tournament team. And you know, the thing I liked was he hit that three, but then he didn't shoot five others, right? He right. And the ball doesn't seem to stick with him. He moves the ball pretty well. Um, I think he knows he's not the main offensive weapon out there. It doesn't mean he can't knock down some shots, but he's out there. You know, I think to move the ball, play good defense. Um, they say he runs the floor well, very athletic. Can see him finishing on breaks really well. So I mean, he's just a really nice complimentary piece that uh, you know they they got late in the process. And a lot of times you don't get a guy that good that late. So I think he's he's a good player on a. On a I mean, Nolan Rich used to talk about glue guys. You know, I think he's a guy that that, that can just you know fit into the rotation and. And uh, you know, doesn't hog the ball or anything. I, it just seems like he has a lot, a lot of good qualities. Yeah, I was talking to him at at Arkansas's media day, or I guess after we watched one of their practices, the first full week of practice. And he he comes from a basketball family. I think he's had three other brothers uh, in his family play for Memphis, and I think they've a couple of them have played elsewhere. Basketball just kind of runs in his family, so it's not new to him. I think terminology. I don't think it's foreign to him even you know coming from a 
um, coming from Memphis into a new program, he was saying, he, he told me he thought, you know, some of the things that Penny Hardaway taught him at Memphis are really going to be beneficial for him here. But, you know, he said the first week was kind of rough, but once you kind of pick up, pick up on things, understand what the coaches want, I think you can, you know, just like Sam Pittman says all the time, a guy plays faster when he, he really knows what he's doing instead of, you know, maybe he's playing a, a, a step slower, a half step slow because he's, he's still, he's just processing things. Um, really interesting piece to me. I, I think, I don't know that maybe I, I find myself wondering if I'm making too much of what he's done in the preseason, but I mean, it was Eric that told us that he, he's a kid that's been all in, you know, since he got here, that's kind of their motto for the year. He's been all in, he's doing the little things that, you know, it, it takes to, to move up on the depth chart and maybe into a rotation spot. Um, but again, I think it'll, it might be one of those game by game things. Um, Real quick, areas of concern with this team. Have we seen enough to maybe identify areas of concern at, at this point? Ethan, you can go I'd, ahead if you got something. It, I'd say honestly, just being a streaky shooting team is an area of concern because if they how many threes did they take the other night? 34 or something. Oh goodness, yeah, it was upwards of 30 for sure. If you're shooting that many, you I mean, I number one, I just think Eric would make the adjustments in game if they're not hitting any that stop shooting threes. But just being a streaky shooting team, you can sometimes shoot yourself out of a game. So I guess that would be an area of concern. Um, but really for me, it's this this Saturday is gonna be whenever I'll be able to give you real areas of concern because right, it was just such sure. a solid win on last week. I get it. It was an exhibition, but they just looked really good in like, it was hard to nitpick. Um, maybe a couple areas of concern would just be um, like health. I mean, we just still don't know Brazil. Like Bob said, he looked whenever he first got in there a little bit timid um, was just didn't look right at first, but it, he got more into it. So I guess right now my two concerns would just be, if you're going to be a streaky shooting team, will you make the adjustment to if you're off to to find points elsewhere and the team's health? Yeah, I think my my main area of concern for this team would be the rebounding potential for this team, just because, like you said, the the volume that they shot with against UT Tyler can obviously lead to a lot of misses, and you're going to need to grab those misses against better competition. You're not going to get to play a D two school uh, in the regular season, and I think. You mentioned Chandler Lawson earlier, and I think that's where he comes in because he's kind of a seamless fit with Arkansas's offense because you can't have five primary scorers out there on the floor at one point. And you know L. Ellis is going to get his shots. Devo Davis is going to take his shots. Trevor Brazil and Khalif Battle are all going to have the ball in their hands. And that's where you need a guy like Chandler Lawson to do the little things, rebound the ball, and defend well. And so I think he might see... Uh, an increased role than what was previously anticipated just because he can do those little things. Uh, and then you obviously have Makai Mitchell, who is, I would say, a solid rebounder, but I wouldn't say is elite on the glass. Uh, and so I think you need guys like Makai Mitchell and Jalen Graham to to up their production on the boards a little bit. And that would probably be the one area of concern I would have going into the season. When I talked to Seth Greenberg at SEC Media Day the other day, I asked him that same question. I was like, do you have any concerns about this team? And he said, you know, consistently taking care of the ball and consistently shooting it. Um, shooting the other night, like Joseph, like the guys that you wanted taking threes, I felt like took them. Like I'm pretty comfortable with L at this point. I was a couple of weeks ago, I was doing a photo shoot with Trevin Brazil 
and L is on the other end, and I bet I could count the misses on one hand. I mean, he's not going against defense or live defense or anything like that, but shooting it well and then Pinion, Davenport, Battle, those guys, Devo. I mean, I feel like we forget about Devo sometimes when, you know, after Eric brought in uh, a few guys from the portal that can shoot. But from a ball handling standpoint, if you take away Trevor Brazil and Bayfall from that exhibition, Arkansas had two turnovers in the game. Like the guards were really good, valued possession a lot. I guess I get I get it's a, a D2 team, but sometimes in those games like that, you can get a little bit careless because you know how much better you are than the other team. Um, but that wasn't really a concern the other day. We'll see how it well, I guess that'll be something to look forward to this weekend. All right. Let's get into this weekend's game uh against Purdue. In Bud Walton, three o'clock. The game will be available for streaming on SEC Network Plus. I love that because I can go back afterward and rewatch it and chart stuff. Be a good time. I can nerd out on some of those numbers and stuff. But Purdue uh, in the AP polls ranked third. In the coaches poll, they were ranked second in the preseason. Um, they've got the game's greatest mismatch in Zach Eady, seven four, three hundred pounds. Bob, if you're Eric Musselman, how are you preparing for Zach Eady? And would your strategy involved putting Cade Arbogast on Lawson Blake's shoulders. <laughs> I don't know. I've been thinking about that because Iron Show's obviously got some height with with Trevin and Makai and and the Jalen Grandinger. They got some 6'10 guys, but I mean this guy's 7'4 and he's built like a aircraft carrier. That's what Al McGuire used to call the big guys back back in the day, the old Marquette coach who was a longtime NBC announcer. But I don't know, because we know Eric's a man-to-man guy, and I really can't see him going zone. <clears throat> but I do wonder if maybe um, number one is you have some big guys. I mean, even a guy like Chandler Lawson, I mean, he's quick. So, I mean, um, you know, Edie, he's very talented, player of the year, all that. But, you know, he he was not going to be a high NBA draft pick. So he still has, you know, so he's not, you know, Shaquille O'Neal or whoever. I'm not knocking his game, obviously, but so I think maybe Arkansas can run. They can run some different guys at him. They they can maybe do some traps, some quickness, try to deny him the ball, maybe try to frustrate him. I'm sure Eric's looked at all the 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 Big Ten teams that did a good job on him. And just you know, look this at is, the Fairleigh Dickinson tape from yeah. March. Well, that's all you got to do, man. Yeah, and uh, um, but uh, um, you know, it's, it's an exhibition game, but. I make no mistake, Eric wants to win this. And he's going to play, guys. It's not like he's going to – he's not going to play like it's the Final Four, but I think he really want, wants to have a good showing for the fans. I think he understands with the way football's struggling that the fans could could use, you know, an injection of enthusiasm. I don't, I don't think he'd say that, but um, I, I think that, that that's the case. And there's no football this weekend, and so basketball takes center stage. So I think this is a really big – big game for for the Razorbacks and Eric. It's an exhibition game and you know, they got pounded at Texas last year and obviously they still had it, went to the Sweet 16 but um I think this is kind of a statement game maybe for this new group of Razorbacks and, and the returnees obviously too. For sure. Yeah in in addition to Zach Eady, Purdue has Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith back. Lawyer made a team high 59 threes last year and Braden Smith led the team with over 150 assists. So the backcourt matchup, I think, is going to be really intriguing to watch, maybe more so than what we're seeing around the rim. And that's it, it might get might get pretty tough, rough and tough in there. Um, it will be really interested to see how Arkansas plans for, um, for Zach Eady. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, he's just like 7'4", 300 pounds. Like you just, you can't, 
you can't simulate that in practice. Like football coaches all the time talk about preparing for a guy who's got elite speed. So maybe you don't have a guy who's got that elite speed. So it's really hard to prepare for. Um, I mean, you got to prepare for him offensively and defensively. And it's a um, good thing Eric's coaching this team. I, I don't know how I would go about it other than maybe put some of those um, pads on your arms and then put them straight up in the air and kind of simulate that um, that standing reach that he has. Um, again, Arkansas-Purdue on Saturday at 3 o'clock in Bud Walton Arena. Should be a fun one. Expecting a big crowd after the solid crowd for the UT Tyler game. And like Bob said, no Arkansas football this weekend. Um, so you can watch this exhibition on SEC Network Plus. Uh, so all you need to do is just pull up the ESPN app or watch ESPN to get it. For Bob Holt, Andrew Joseph, and Ethan Westerman, I'm Scotty Bordelon. We appreciate you tuning in. But, but before we go, I'm going to throw it to an interview um, that I did with Brian Newbert of blackandgold.com, which is part of the On3 Network. Um, thank you guys again for joining in, and we will be back with another episode next week recapping the Purdue exhibition. I'd like to welcome into the show Brian Newbert of goldenblack.com, which does a great job covering Purdue sports for on3sports.com. Uh, Brian, I appreciate you making some time this week. How are things where you are? They are good. They're good. The weather's uh, not freezing yet, so that's uh, always a positive thing this time of year. Uh, getting ready to be busy here uh, in the next couple of weeks. For sure. Um, I know when we were trying to set up a time to to talk this week, you mentioned you're coming in Friday yeah. to cover the game as well. Have you have you ever been to Arkansas before? And just kind of what are your expectations for the weekend? I have never been to Arkansas. It's one of the uh, one of about a half a dozen states I can check off the list now that I've never been to. Um, Purdue's got to get me to the, to the Dakotas one day. Uh, um, I'm not counting Mississippi. I was there for like five minutes uh, one time when I was in New Orleans. So Arkansas is uh, one of the few states I have never been to. So looking forward to uh, looking forward to checking it out. I've heard good things about the arena. I've heard good things about the environment, and uh, looking forward to it. For sure, I think I think you'll probably be in for a pretty good environment this weekend. The football team's really struggling; they're off this week, so it kind yeah. of falls on a on a perfect weekend. Uh, getting into Purdue a little bit, what are some of the top stories or or storylines for this for this new this new Matt Painter team? Yeah, so obviously, uh, you know, they were one of the best teams in college basketball last season. Their season ultimately wound up being defined by the fact that they didn't have any NCAA tournament success. You know, they were the second. Uh, team ever to get uh, the second one seed ever knocked out by a 16 in the first round. And that sort of cast uh, cast kind of a dark cloud over their whole season. And it's going to be the story that kind of follows them around all season this year until they right. have a chance to dispel it in March. But they were really good last year, obviously. And uh, they have pretty much everything important back. Uh, I, I think there's, there's a, there's definitely a world where they can be a better team this year than they were last year. Obviously they've got the national player of the year and Zach Eady back. He's, you know, the most influential player in college basketball, if not the best player in college basketball, probably both uh, based on what he did last season. Uh, they've got some pretty talented uh, guys back from, or coming in this season who are more athletic than anything Purdue had last season, whether they're ready or not uh, is, is going to be the question. And I think that Purdue uh, 
kind of got a sneaky pickup uh, on in the transfer market that no one's really talking about in Southern Illinois, Lance Jones. I think he's a guy who can really make a big impact for them this year and balance out really something they don't have otherwise in terms of athleticism and kind of a defensive mindset in the backcourt. They've got two sophomore guards in Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer who are going to be really, really good. I love those guys, yeah. Players. Uh, they were really good as freshmen right away. Uh, they had their ups and downs, but way more ups than downs. And I think everybody expects them to be um, much better players this year than they were last year. Uh, for such an established team, uh, there's going to be some change. They're going to try to uh, incorporate some uh, more scoring in the form of a player named Trey Kaufman Wren as best they can. He's kind of a a true low post scorer. They're going to use him more at forward. So how that's going to how that's going to coexist with uh, Zach Eady on the floor? That's going to be a a big question too. No guarantee it's going to work, but um, on paper at least. You know, Purdue figures to be uh to be pretty good. Yeah, I would say so. I think Eric, when we were talking to him in the off season, you know, they've got Duke on the schedule um, after the, a few days after they come back from the Bahamas, and then you know, obviously the Purdue game came out, and he was like, "Yeah, we're probably going to get two of the top three teams in the country." Uh, you know, yeah. in their in their building, you know, within you know a month of each other, um, and he was right on the money. I think they were two and three in the in the AP poll. Uh, how do you think Matt Painter? is going to approach this game is obviously it's a big time preseason game, top 15 teams, but then again, it's kind of not, it's far from an end all be all game. Yeah. I think that uh, that's an excellent question um, because Purdue has had these closed scrimmages before and Purdue really doesn't care if it wins or not. This being kind of more of a game in, in a game like environment. I think that's probably something that, probably put a little bit more stock in but for Purdue it's all about the experience it's uh you know one thing Purdue's always tried to do with its scheduling early in the season especially with it, its current personnel is uh get pressured uh he wants to give his team a lot of looks early in the season and one thing you know at times over the years and I'm not just talking about this team this year or last year but some of their teams that preceded it uh they didn't handle backcourt pressure great. And I think, uh, you know, for that reason, they've they've tried to schedule West Virginia's and they've tried to schedule Cincinnati's. And now, obviously, Arkansas. I assume Arkansas. I don't know Arkansas great. Uh, I, I just know they lost Nick Smith and Anthony Black. Uh, but I assume they're still going to pressure. I assume they're still going to press and things like that. And that's, you know, something he really values in the preseason too. So I think it's – for Purdue, the – the goal, as I'm sure it is for Arkansas, is to get better. But I think you'd love to win. If you don't, it, I don't think it's the end of the world. Uh, I think he'll coach to win, but only to a point. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the pressure. Um, Arkansas last week played UT Tyler in an exhibition, beat them 92-39. Like, the game was never in doubt. Mm -hmm. We did see a little bit of 2-2-1 full court type stuff, which don't really see just a whole lot. And then I think defensively, Eric feels pretty good about Devo Davis coming back. He was an all all SEC defensive guy last year, and they got Tremont Mark uh, from Houston. Um, I think he feels like those two guys will be a really good defensive duo. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see that backcourt matchup with Lawyer and and Braden Smith. How, how do you think maybe Devo Davis, Tremont Mark? Um, how do you think maybe they'll they'll match up with with Purdue's backcourt? I think that that 
outside of the obvious with with 80 you know around the rim i think that that's obviously the most intriguing thing to me yeah well what people typically try to do to purdue and what they're 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 smart to do to purdue is they try to put a lot of heat on the guards to make sure they don't get those clean entries into ed and, and things like that i think though that um people who play purdue probably starting with arkansas this weekend are going to look at you know what undid purdue at times last season and are probably going to try to make Purdue beat them with threes um, because when Purdue struggled last season, it was including the Fairleigh Dickinson game in the NCAA tournament when they were 5-26, of shooting a lot of wide-open threes. I think people are going to be more inclined to put a lot of people on Zach Eady or really crowd, really crowd the lane and make Purdue beat you with jumpers. Purdue's a skilled three-point shooting team. It, it's a huge part of their 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 formula. They've really put a lot of a lot of investment in three-point shooting. Last year it didn't work. It, they were a 32% shooting team. They've got capable shooters. They just didn't shoot well. Uh, this year I think they expect to shoot better, but they're going to have to prove it. And I, I would anticipate um, Arkansas, you know, probably going down those lines, assuming that they're really, really preparing and coaching to win this game, which knowing Eric Musselman, uh, he probably is. Um, and he should be. It, it's a home game for them. It, it, it's a pretty big, uh, a pretty big event down there, I would have to think. But um, I think they're going to try to pressure Purdue's guards. And when they're in half court offense, I think they're going to have to make, or they're going to try to make Purdue's guards beat them with threes. Um. If they do, then Purdue's really hard to guard. They're really, really hard to guard. If they don't, then you can really, really take away from Zach Eady's effectiveness because he's going to have two guys sitting in his lap all the time. That's kind of the that's kind of the bugaboo Purdue's got to get through here uh, after last season is they've got to shoot the ball better. It sounds like nine times out of ten you say something like that prior to a season and it just sounds like oversimplification. But for Purdue, right. it really is that simple. It's They've got to make threes because when you're not making threes, you're you're really, really taken away from Zach Eady's value and you're just making yourself really easy to guard. It just on on Eady a little bit more, obviously really intrigued by him. I made the joke um, earlier in the show that I don't know how Arkansas was going to simulate like you can't. preparing for yeah. him. Oh, right. And I made the joke. It was like, are you going to put the walk-on guard on the walk-on forward shoulders to try to simulate the height and the standing yeah. reach and all that? Um, but what's he been like for you to cover? And maybe what are some of the things he does maybe just beyond being a mountain of a man yeah. that, that kind of make him effective? Well, I think people look at him and they just look at, at the dimensions and there's kind of a there's kind of a punchline out there sometimes from fans of other Big Ten schools that he's only good because he's big. That's that's just not accurate. He's mm -hmm. he's a really good basketball player. He's got great hands. He's got great feet. He moves better than you would ever expect, you know, an office building to move. Yeah. Um, he's really improved as a passer. Uh, he's only been playing basketball for like six years, too. And uh, so he he should be getting better. He's He's got a nice shooting touch. He can shoot free throws. He's got a really, really good knack for getting his position, not giving up his position, and making tough catches, making tough shots over people. He's he, he's he's more explosive. He's more bouncy than you would think a guy that big would be. He was really good in pick and roll last year, which 
he never really had to do before at Purdue because he was just that guy that just trotted down the floor, went to his spot and just claimed it. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, he's just kind of a freak, man. He, you know, he averaged 30 minutes a game last year when he'd not played more than 19 or 20 before that and didn't phase him. He was, he was better at the end of games than he was at the start of games sometimes. And um, he's just a really good basketball player. And uh should be getting better. It's just a matter of, you know, sometimes he's had to deal with some of the mental challenges of, you know, getting fouled on every play and having mm-hmm. to play through it. Sometimes he's he's had to deal with tricky matchups in terms of, you know, people obviously want to pull him away from the basket, so they put him in ball screens and things like that. Or if there's a big guy who can shoot, they'll try to drag him away from the basket. So there's some give and take to playing big, but he's a great offensive player. He's one of the best defensive rebounders in college basketball. He really made a huge jump last season in terms of his rim protection, his interior defense, even though he's not like a prototypical shot blocker, like a, a, a guy who's, you know, just really long and really explosive off the floor, things like that. He's just, he's just, I've never seen anything like it at Purdue or really anywhere. Um, he, you can't simulate him in practice. You just can't. Uh, and that's sort of one of those things where, like, you can watch film and what you see on film and then what you see when you go out there for warm-ups, what you see in that first five minutes of the game, the two very, very different things. For sure. Um, I'm always kind of interested to get thoughts on Arkansas from those outside the state, maybe the SEC footprint. So I guess, like, what from – your perspective is maybe the the perception of, of Eric Musselman's program at this point. I know he can really recruit and he's really got some dudes down there. And uh, I know they want to play a lot of pressure and, you know, things like that. And uh, I saw them play at Indiana a couple of years ago. I, I, I saw his Nevada teams play. Uh, one of Purdue's former players, uh, Kendall Stevens, transferred to Nevada. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Eric talks about back, him quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, uh, paid kind of loose attention to them after that. And, uh, I know he's a good postseason coach. He's a good regular season coach. He's, he's a high pressure guy. He's a high energy guy, obviously a colorful personality. Hopefully, uh, he'll keep his shirt on Saturday. Um, but, uh, no, yeah, guarantee, no, he, no guarantees. I know he's really good with his players. I know uh, talking to Kendall Stevens' family uh, after after uh, he transferred, I know they were really uh, touched, by, for lack of a better term, by the uh, personal relationship he tried to build with all his guys and, um, you know, kind of things like that. So he's a great coach, uh, gets great players, and uh, that's a big part of the job, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Brian, I want to thank you again for your time, man. Looking forward to the weekend and uh, appreciate you joining the show and get us ready for, for Saturday's game. You guys can find Brian's work at goldenblack.com. Brian, appreciate your time, man. Looking forward to, to meeting you on Saturday. No problem at all, Scotty. We'll see you Saturday. The proceeding has been a production of the Hog Sports Network. Look for our daily podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. For more Razorbacks coverage, go to wholehogsports.com or follow the Hog Sports Network reporters on social media.